Our text this morning is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you haven't had a chance yet, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be taking, uh, we just finished up Philippians, as you very well know. We're going to be taking three weeks and looking at uh, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean? And so this week we're going to be just preaching on that. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Next two weeks we're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Then following that, um, we're going to be going back to the beginning, back to Genesis and not verse by verse, so don't worry. But we're going to be going through the whole Bible is what we're, is, our, is our aim to do. It would take about a year, year and a half to do. And so we're going to be hitting just the highlights. We've spent several years being up close to the text, just going verse by verse by verse. We're going to step back and go from Genesis all the way to the Revelation and just hitting the high points along the way and seeing how all of this grand story of Scripture fits into the the headship of Christ and how all things are being united in Christ. So we're going to be looking at that from Genesis through Revelation upcoming. But these three weeks we're going to be looking at uh, what does it mean to walk in the, in the Spirit. So with that in mind, let's let's pray before we go any further here. Heavenly Father, we again <laughs> come and bow down to you and we ask that you would Move us and guide us to Yourself, God. That's our plea and our cry. And we, we, we have nothing apart from You. That we think we're so great. And that we think we have everything. That we think we can do it all, God. We, we have nothing. So we openly confess that now. And plead with You to show us Your grace and mercy. Through your word. Amen. Now imagine with me, if you could, you're hoping for a, a peaceful afternoon and night to finish up a manuscript in which you're going to present to your, your friends and peers in the next morning. And part of your game plan is sending the kids out to go play, and so you get them all dressed up, they go out to play. But one of them decides that it'd be a great idea, even though it's 12 or 14 degrees outside to begin to playing with the, the spigot, the faucet on the side of the house. And while they're doing that, uh, something somehow breaks inside the wall. But you don't know about it. So everything goes fine. They come inside. Everything's going great. 
um, and it's your your turn to make the meal of the month. So of course you do what you always do. You get cans of soup, put it in a big pot, and turn it on high so it cooks quickly. And then you turn it off, and you act like a hero. Is is what you do, and. <laughs> And so you, you just, you, you, you get the cans of soup dumped into the pot, you put it on the, on the, on the oven, you turn it on high, and right as you turn it on high, your long-suffering wife calls out from the basement, there's water everywhere. And you go down there, and there indeed is. There's water on the flooring. Somehow there's water under the flooring. There's stacks of books now in puddles of water. And there's water just raining down from the ceiling above you. And you spend 20 minutes with the shop vac doing all that you can, getting all of this vacuumed up. And you think you're kind of getting ahead of the game. And then one of the kids calls up from upstairs, what's that burning smell I smell? And you realize, oh, your hero meal of the month is now burning on the oven. And so you go up, you turn that off. And before you know, within a matter of 20 minutes, years of sanctification of it just being thrown out the window like, like they don't matter whatsoever. And you could care less. But it's not just that. Within 20 minutes, lifelong friendships can be thrown out the window. Within 20 minutes, sobriety that you fought for to obtain for years can be thrown out the window, never to be seen again. Within 20 minutes, you can throw your marriage out the window. And this is why we're going to be pausing and just looking at what does it look like? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit. To have the Spirit guide you and lead you in all of your lives. With every thought, with every action, with every relationship. What does it look like to have the Spirit leading you and guiding you? So obviously that's what we're going to be driving home. Is to walk in the Spirit. What do you, what do you take home from this? Well, just that. Walk in the Spirit. Yield to Him. Not your own desires, not your own thoughts, not anything like that, but yield yourself, your whole will, every passion and desire that you have, yield it to the Spirit. And walk in the Spirit. Let Him guide you and lead you on the paths that He will determine. So what we're going to be first, we're going to be looking at this week, the role of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. What does it mean? Role of the Holy Spirit. Finally, or the secondly, the struggle between the Spirit and the flesh. Sounds great. Walk in the Spirit. I can do it for like two minutes and then I have this wicked flesh of mine. What do I do? So the struggle then between the, the Spirit and the flesh. And then finally, the victory of the Spirit. The victory of the Spirit here. So we remember when we were going through Philippians and we kind of concluded it by saying this was Paul's ode to joy. He was just effusing his love for this church in Philippi and he loves them and he loves him. Well, you take that book and then you do about like a 180 and then you've got yourself here. The book of Galatians is what's going on. Paul gives him a brief intro. Uh, you know, grace you and peace you and, and all of that. And then he jumps right in. You foolish Galatians. <laughs> 
I'm so amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ to for a different gospel. But if even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, it is to be accursed. Okay, maybe you didn't hear that, he says, but as we have said before, so now I say it again. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received from us, even if it's from us, even if it's us coming back and telling you something different, don't listen to that. If anybody preaches anything different but the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. What's going on? What Paul is boiling it down to is, is that what they believe is dictating how they live. They're inseparable, how, what we believe and how we live. And they're thinking that they can fulfill the righteous demands of Christ and righteous demands of God through their own flesh. And because of this, then they begin living by their own strength. Not yielding, not submitting to the Spirit, but living by their own strength is what they're doing. And it's so natural. It's it's the quickest way to have this this, this, uh, immediate productivity in our Christian life. Is, well, you just try harder, right? We even, our kids, you know, they, they... I had to memorize this this poem by Palmer. You know, tis a le- lesson ye shall heed. Try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Then your courage should appear. For if you will persevere, you will you'll have courage and conquer. Never fear. Try, try again. And it's easy for us to have this unbridled spirit creep into our Christian and spiritual walk with God. And without even knowing it, we begin to think that our own efforts are more than enough. All we have to do is just try, try again. And we think that, well, then we can do it. Even think think about the the books that that we read to our kids, that you read growing up. This little engine that could. We're telling him, you know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, you should be telling your children, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. But you can do all things through Him. That's what we should be telling our kids. I should go home and rip the pages out of this godless book there that adorns <laughs> adorns your bookshelves. See, I hope you begin to see that this, this letter to the, that Paul's writing to the church and uh, the circular letter of, of Galatians, it's, it's not just for them. It's, this is us. This is absolutely us. Can we do it? Yes, we can do it. Do I need any help? No, I don't need any help. Just think what, what drives entrepreneurs. The men that we have look up to and the women we look up to. Well, they're driven. Why? Why are they driven? Well, they don't want to work for another man. They don't want to work for another woman. They want to do it to themselves. And we applaud that. That's fantastic. Look at them. And we do that with the spiritual. It just creeps in ever so subtly, ever so subtly. It creeps in, doesn't it? And then just like that, we find ourselves back in the garden. And you're there with Adam and Eve. And what happens? It's it's them. They're the ones that grasp the fruit. They're the ones that look at it. And it's not God. They're the ones who are determining whether it's good or whether it's bad. They're the ones that will exalt themselves rather than yielding to just being with God. 
Lamech becomes this prototype later on in Genesis of being this independent spirit who will yield to no one else, but he will conquer all things by himself and by himself. Even Nebuchadnezzar, you see it in Daniel chapter four, when he's, he's on the rooftop and he's looking over his empire and he tells himself, is this not great Babylon, which I have built by my majesty by my power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. These are the men and women that we esteem and hold up. The men, who, the greatest ruler, one of the greatest empires in the whole world. And this is how they think. And this is who we esteem. And we're, we're foolish to think that this type of thinking isn't going to come into our, our spiritual lives and that we're not going to be thinking, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. No. It's right there and it's prevalent. And so we begin to think, I'm good enough. I can do it. I can do God. I've got this. I've got this. And we think then that our own standards are then good enough for God's standards. And then that is when we have a, another mess on our hands because God's standards are not at all our standards. God's standards is God himself. Thus, our only chance, your only chance, our only chance, is to turn to Christ and to plead to Christ for that for, for his perfection and, and his righteousness then to be brought into our account. And this is the only way that it can happen. And that's the beauty of it all. And then when this happens, when you are pleading for Christ, maybe you're pleading right now. The Spirit of Christ will come and He will guide your hearts and your minds to Christ Jesus. So then, what then is the role of the Spirit in the Christian life? Well, let's, let's just look at verse 16 here then. But I say, walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So with the Holy Spirit, we even see him at creation, just kind of stepping back and looking, what did the Holy Spirit do? We see him at creation. There he is hovering in Genesis 1 verse 2. The Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. But he's not only there and active in creation, He's active in our recreation as well. Remember when Nicodemus comes to Jesus Christ in the darkness of the night, probably because of shame, because he's a, he's a, he's a big guy, he's a Pharisee. And he goes to him in the night and Jesus plainly tells him, no, your, your first birth is not enough. You must be born again. Self and Jake Rankin, we were talking about this, how, how, how astonishing this must be. The Nicodemus where he says, no, you, maybe you don't get it. I'm a Pharisee. Everybody's always told me I'm good enough. Everybody's always told me I can do it. No, Nicodemus, you can't do it. No, Redemption City, you cannot do it. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Born first, just a natural birth, but then also be born of the Spirit as well. So the Spirit then begins to move in our hearts that was, that was dead. 
We're dead apart from Christ. Yes, we're alive, physically alive, but still spiritually dead. We have the first birth, but not the second birth. But then the Spirit comes. In this cold heart, He begins to see, you see a little ember going in the Spirit. Just like He's hovering over the water. So He begins hovering and burning this ember. And it begins to burn and burn and burn. It gets more air and gets more fuel and fuel. And then this, this little smoldering ember becomes a burning fire. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. And then you have this love of God that you cannot, you cannot, you, you cannot create on your own. This is how beautiful it is. You cannot create this love of God on your own, but it is entirely the work of the Spirit. So that when we come and we sing hymns, we are not singing to ourselves, but we are singing to the one whom has redeemed us from all of our sins. So the, the Spirit is not just there at, at creation or the new creation. When He comes into us, He is, He's like the, the guarantee of our inheritance. Paul also writes this in Ephesians 1. He says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, that's in, in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, okay, we heard the gospel of Christ, we believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise and the glory of God. So this is what the Spirit is doing. Now from our, our second birth, when we come alive until we go and see Jesus Christ face to face, this is what Paul is, is getting at with, the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with Galatians, that the role of the Spirit, not just in creation, not just in bringing us to life, but now as we're Christians, how do we walk and how do we live? How do we live this out? What Paul is driving at is that we have lives entirely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That we can't take a, a step without Him. That there isn't a thought that we're not taking captive unto Him. We're yielding everything unto the movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, but what about those guys? For some of us, when we hear about the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, we close our eyes, we just see, you know, uh, fog machines and light shows and, and, and guys in, in ridiculously colored suits coming up and prancing around and parading around doing old outlandish things that are, quite frankly, mildly entertaining. And, and we begin to think, no, that's the... That's the movement of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And so it's like we, we go, I don't, I don't want that. Okay. I, I know I don't want that. And so then we end up fleeing, especially Baptists. We're really good at this. We, we flee the other direction. And then we end up, we kind of, we, we bypass this healthy middle and we just kind of run right past it here. And then we're over here and we're like the disciples in Acts 19 when they hear the gospel and they go, Holy Spirit. Never heard of them. Actually, no. What is this Holy Spirit you're talking about? I think it's healthy, admittedly. Let's, let's, let's come back this way a little bit more. Be a little centered on the Word of God and actually be open and willing to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And in our lives, when we do this, when we find ourselves over here, we go, Holy Spirit, what, what Holy Spirit? 
year after year, this kind of grinds on and grinds on and grinds on. And then we wonder why we have such a a dry spiritual life. And, and we've all been here, and we, we like to blame the external circumstances of what's going on. But this spiritual blindness is always precipitated by the fact that we are not walking with the Spirit. That there's just a disharmony between us and the Spirit that has nothing or very little to do with the world around us. And then soon we become bitter and then we wonder why Christianity isn't all it's cracked up to be. Well, yeah, it's because in that point, all you're thinking is, I gotta keep these rules, I gotta keep these rules, and we're trying to do it in and of ourselves because we've been told, I think I can, I think I can, I can do it, I can do it. No. You can't. We become bitter and become jaded. We just maybe go to church because we have to. And maybe that's what we're supposed to do. But you despise it. So just distinctly, the role of the Spirit then is to apply the work that was ordained by God the Father before creation, was was accomplished through Jesus Christ on the cross, the work of the Holy Spirit is to apply this to our lives. And that is entirely of Him. And He has, we have nothing to do that with that. But when that's done, and when we are saved, when we are regenerated, He works with you. It doesn't work. It works upon you to bring you to salvation. But then, as we grow in Christ, as we become more like God, He works with us. So, what does it mean? What does it look like then? Okay, what does it look like to walk in the Spirit? Most obviously, you have to have the Spirit of God. You have to have the Spirit of God, and this seems, uh, admittedly, this insultingly simple fact to be. Stated, but it must be stated. Because we were just talking about it. There are countless people who are frustrated with Christianity. Because they, they try to have this supposed Christian life, but they're not even Christians. And it's through this, they have this misunderstanding. Either, either through poor teaching from others, but we begin to think that Christianity is is not being entirely saved by God and being subservient to Him in, in all that He wants, but we just think that it's about simply doing the right thing. That's how we reduce Christianity down to. And then instead of having a Christian life, what we're left with are hypocritical religious lifestyles. See the difference between them. So we must follow the gentle leadings of the Holy Spirit, knowing that there's nothing we have done to deserve this except the sin that has made this uh, possible, this glorious salvation possible. But we are saved with the faith, by faith alone. We all know this. We're saved by faith alone. But we, we all get that. We have to realize we are saved by faith alone. But this faith never remains alone. It's not devoid of a a Christian walk and a Christian leading towards Christ. So there will be times this week, redemption, in which we must follow the gentle leading of the Spirit. Either it will look like seeking forgiveness 
from someone that you've wronged. The Spirit will lead you in that. And you, you have these thoughts coming to your head. You're going to go, oh, I should do that. I oh, know that's, that's a little too outlandish. That's, that's, that's out there. No, do it. If it's leading you towards godliness, obviously that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I commend you, one of you in this church is, is been convicted by the Holy Spirit and they are going back and they are repaying all of their back taxes from a cash job that they had. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, a clean conscience is money well spent. That is what it looks like. Leading you towards this godliness. And so to walk in the Spirit is to yield all of our lives to Him. To let Him be the one who takes control and to let Him lead us unto Himself for His glory. Alright, so we want to do that. We want to walk in the flesh, or walk in the Spirit, away from the flesh. So what does that look like? Well, okay, let's, let's go back here to the text. Verses 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other and keep you from doing things you want to do. For some reason, either through um, cultural pressure or hypocritical pastors who say one thing and then do another, uh, it seems as though the, the spirit-filled Christian life that does not desire, that does not gratify the things of the flesh, it, it seems to have fallen out of favor, quite frankly. But Paul here is, is stating that this is the, the organic, presumptive state of the Christian life. That we are walking with the Spirit and in the Spirit. This is not something for, for the, the super-Christians who have biographies written about them after they die and people read about them. No, this, this is you. This is you to be walking by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be yielding all of your life unto the Spirit. So the, the flesh here, what Paul is talking about, is, is not so much our physical body. Remember, we created it and he said it was good. It's not so much our, our physical body, but Paul is speaking metaphorically. That's this earthly nature of man, apart from the divine influence, apart from God's influence. And therefore, it's prone to sin and opposed to God. And there, in our own minds, in your own, in your own souls, there is this cosmic battle that is taking place. Every situation, every thought, every, every, every time you're, you're with a coworker and they're married and they give you that extra look, there's this war raging in your mind, in your soul, between the flesh and between the spirit. And when we think we have the capability to fight these battles, we are gonna fall. And we are going to fail. Conversely, brothers and sisters, do not be discouraged by this constant struggle with sin. It's an everyday part of the normal Christian life. As, as Paul wrote to, to Titus here, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us 
to renounce ungodliness. It's not done. Training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So He's training us because it's not done. It's not done, my friends. So don't be discouraged. You're in this constant battle with struggle with sin. And you will be because we're in the flesh. And we are awaiting the glorious appearance of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So if you're walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, yielding yourself, all of your thoughts, all of your control into Him, it's inevitable that you will have this internal struggle and wrestling within your soul. So finally, just very briefly, I want you to see that you will have victory through the Spirit. Just go back to verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you find yourself not yielding to the Spirit, but yielding to sin again and again and again, it doesn't have to be this way. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh. And we are not perfect, but through the Spirit we will have victory. And so we are taking these several weeks in this because redemption, the pursuit of holiness, is never a vain pursuit in the Christian life. And there's no other way to go about it. It's not about striving harder or trying to do more. But just opening up our hands, opening up our lives and yielding to the Spirit and letting Him lead you unto Christ. That is why Paul is able to write, I'm sure that He who began a good work in you will bring it into completion in the day of Christ. We'll pick up here next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have this civil war raging on within us. Even now, God, if you are bringing sins, we must confess to our minds. And right away, the flesh says, no, it's not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. Other people do it. You'll just look foolish. But God, give us this desire to walk in the Spirit. And a willingness to follow you no matter what it costs, no matter what we give up, God, that we can have the fruit of righteousness in our lives. That we don't have to be burdened by the law trying to fulfill all of your demands. But God, we are so thankful that you have done it all through Christ for your glory. Amen. Amen.